So it's all about being honest, being courageous, being vulnerable, um, and keeping yourself open to opportunities. It's never too late for friendship. I hear women say, you know, it's too late for me, or they have their friend group, or I already had my friends and I lost them. There's connection and opportunity. So you just have to train your eyes to look for them um, and then have the courage to pursue what your heart desires. I think if we kind of get those basic truths, everything else starts to just kind of like suddenly make sense. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and today we are talking all things female friendships. And in the last three and a half years of having this podcast, I don't think we've had like a dedicated conversation about friendships, but they are so important, especially female friendships if you ask me. So I am super excited because on the podcast today is Danielle Bayard Jackson. She's an author, speaker, certified friendship coach, the founder of Friend Forward, and she is really dedicated to teaching women how to create and maintain meaningful female friendships. And as the founder of Friend Forward, she really uses her research and insight to show women how they can improve their connections with one another. And it was so much fun to sit down with Danielle. We really talk about her journey becoming a friendship coach, and she shares her advice for navigating and deepening friendships. We talk about having hard conversations with friends and why healthy conflict actually brings us closer together. And at the same time, why female friendships tend to end prematurely. We also have a really beautiful conversation about looking inward and why we really need to look at our role in friendships and what we can do to become better friends. Plus, Danielle shares what she wants you to know about female friendships. Her answer might just surprise you. The moment that she realized she really wanted to be more vulnerable in her work, her biggest dream, and so much more. Before we dive in to today's new episode with Danielle, I am really happy to share with you today's sponsor, BetterHelp. We are going through some challenging times and our friendships have changed as a result, our relationships, how we feel about ourselves in the world. I mean, literally everything in between. And I have found more than ever, it is really valuable to talk to someone about what you're going through. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's easy and free to change counselors if you don't think the person you're matched with is a good fit. This service is available for people worldwide too. BetterHelp offers a broad range of expertise in their counselor network. So you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions too, which, if you ask me, is a game changer. I really want you to be able to live a happier, more joyful, and ease-filled life. And I am so excited to share that as a listener of Seek the Joy podcast, you will get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash seek the joy. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash seek the joy. As always, the link will also be included in our show notes. So much of Danielle's work is really about pairing research with real life experience and expertise to help you 
experience more joy in your platonic friendships with other women. And I love how in today's episode, we really talk about how to get to this level of platonic intimacy. And it's a term I had never even heard of before. So I am really excited to share today's episode with you. As always, join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. Don't forget, we are on YouTube now. You can watch today's conversation with Danielle on our YouTube channel. The link is also in the show notes to check it out there. And if you're on Spotify, hit follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe. And while you're there, leave us a rating and review. When you leave that five-star rating and review, take a screenshot and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. I will send you a little something-something to say thank you, and it is a really fun way for us to connect outside of the show. Today's episode is really filled with good wisdom and practical advice, and I really just enjoyed sitting down with Danielle and hearing her perspective. So, Without further ado, here's my conversation with Danielle Bayard-Jackson. Danielle, I am so excited to have you on the podcast because, well, multitude of reasons, but I don't think we talk enough about female friendships. We talk about romantic relationships. We talk about relationships at work. But I was reflecting on it the other day, preparing for our conversation, and I don't think I ever had a conversation with my parents or anybody about female friendships and how to navigate them. So I got to know, like, how did you even embark on this journey coaching people with their friendships? Yeah, Sydney, you are not the only one. It actually is something that I kind of stumbled into. So I was actually a high school English teacher for six years, right after graduating from the University of Florida, and I was teaching juniors and seniors. And so you'd overhear, you know, young women talking between classes. I overheard them in the hallway, and some of them would come to me after class having some kind of issue with a girl who's supposed to be their friend, but they want Mm -hmm. to talk it out to somebody who feels maybe like big sisterly, I guess. Um, And I made the foolish mistake of dismissing it as a teenage problem when I left the world of education and got into public relations because I'm a publicist by day, friendship coach by night. And so when I got into PR, I'm having conversations with these high powered women on the top of their game. And we're doing a, a, a media prep or something like that. We're having this intimate conversation and she'll share something about not having any friends at all because mm-hmm. she's so career focused, so driven and ambitious that she doesn't pour into her friendships. And that's when I had my moment of like, oh my goodness, this is a thing. Like it doesn't matter what season or stage you are um, in womanhood. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be issues creating, maintaining, navigating, and releasing your friendships. But who the heck is going to show us how to do it? And so I kind of like spiraled this obsession. I literally started by going on Amazon and looking up books on friendship. And I thought it was so interesting because when you do that, it's changing a little bit now, the landscape. But when you do that, a lot of stuff emerges for children. Mm. There's nothing to help adults. Like, how do I make friends? How do I get over a friendship breakup? Am I weird that I'm the only person who's still not over my friend? And so it kind of let me down this rabbit hole. And so I spent a couple of years, you know, 
researching things on my own, serving millennial women primarily. Um, I spent a year researching to write a book. And so, you know, I have a book talking about how to have hard conversations with your friends. And so now it's something that's grown from a personal obsession to an actual practice. Mm -hmm. And so now to be in a space where I can coach women and they're trusting me with some things that they don't even share with their own friends or spouses is um, a blessing and an honor. And so, so far it's been a really fun ride. Hmm. I always think it's so interesting how the things that we're passionate about often start as just that passion project, something we want to dive into, and then it becomes this business or it becomes the focus of what we do. So I, I love that that is really, that is really your story. You know, I'm, I'm curious too, we talk a lot about, I think, especially in the context of researchers like Brene Brown, that we are hardwired for connection. We are meant to come together. And that's why I think this time through COVID and the pandemic has been both challenging, but also an opportunity to redefine connection. Um, but it's really got me thinking, are friendships something that should be easy or natural? If we're hardwired for connection in this way, why does it feel like making friends is hard. And especially as we get older, like wh why do you have any thoughts on that? I have so many thoughts on that. Good, yes. Good. Uh, you know, well, <laughs> research shows us that our friendship groups actually grow exponentially until we hit about 25, mm. at which point it begins to decrease. And it doesn't surprise us too much because that is the time upon which new priorities emerge. And we are getting laser focused on our job and trying to get promoted. We're going across the country for a job or a love interest. We are starting to take things very seriously with our romantic partner. Some of us are having babies at that age, but all these other things begin to compete for our attention. Yeah. When you couple that with how our social environments have been removed up until that point, it's been constructed for us. So you have recess when you're five, mm -hmm. you know, for 10 years. And so you know that there's going to be this marker where you get to go out and play. You are sitting in a class, you know, with somebody else for hours a day. You're in your dorm, saturated with your peer. You can walk down the hall and be like, what's up? And so when you remove that context, we're out of practice. We've yeah. never had to try to make friends, to find them. What do I say? There's always a buffer. You can talk about, oh, the teacher is weird, isn't he? Ha, ha, ha. You want to be friends? And so when you remove our social environments, you realize how ill-equipped you are to do this on your own. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's why I love so much being a coach. You know, I always say I'm not, you know, a therapist. Therapists tend to make a connection between your past to your present. I don't know about what came before. I'm not equipped to help you there. But with where you are right now and what you want to do, where do you want to be? What would you like? We're talking action steps. So we mm -hmm. can talk concepts all day. At the end of the day, you're going to be like, okay, so what do I do, Danielle? And that's kind of where I specialize is, all right, let's come up with some stuff. Here's what you're going to do this week. And so, um, yeah, so a lot of us are out of practice. We're not equipped. And um, and as we get older, priorities compete for our attention and it gets really tough. It gets really tough. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, I think, especially as I reflect back on my friendships from college. And I remember when I left college and I went to law school, the friendships from college completely changed and it was devastating. Like I remember my first year of law school, those relationships have changed and I was really upset about it. And I remember having this conversation with myself, as I often do, of saying, okay, well, maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe your friendships are supposed to evolve with you. And I think at least in my experience, it's felt like if they don't, if you can't evolve with one another, then maybe that's a problem. But just because it's changed, maybe that doesn't mean you should let go of the friendship. This is something I've been playing around with. So curious what you think about that. Yeah. You know, I, I think we all know intellectually that seasons change. Yeah. 
We know that. But when it happens, we're like, what is happening? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. It's like, you know, what's happening. It's hard to go through it, but we know because we've been saying the language, we just haven't put it into practice, but yeah, like you are evolving 25 year old. You is, is not like 18 year old. You, you have new interests, you have new worldviews, you have new values. Some of us are, we change our sense of humor. New things are funny. We have a new partner who comes into our life and exposes us to new hobbies. You're a new person. Hopefully you've matured in some ways. You kind of lost some bad habits and maybe yeah. picked up some new ones. And so the things that brought you together, um, the ties that you had with other people, sure that's changed. I'm all, I always argue for, if you're noticing that you are no longer interested in the conversation with this person, um, you find that whenever you do talk, you're drawing upon history. It's, it's mm-hmm. always like, oh yeah, remember in 12th grade, ha ha. Like at, at some point it's like, okay, you know, what's happening now. Or if you find that you simply just like, don't care. Like that sounds harsh, but sometimes we have friendships and we're like, I don't even care to muster the energy to keep that up. Yeah. That's okay. Does it make you a bad person? Does it mean she's not interesting as a person? You're just not there anymore. And that's okay. It's that's okay. Um, but if you do want to keep somebody in your life and you notice that there's something changing, then say so. Mm-hmm. Say, I'm a see in your face. Or like, God, I have not talked to you in like three months. That's not okay. Can we do like a uh, an every Friday check-in. So it's, it's, I, I, you know, at the risk of oversimplifying it, if you find that it requires a lot of energy and you're not really getting as much out of the union, let it go. And if you notice that there's distance and you want it back, say so. Mm-hmm. I love that the theme of everything that you've shared so far is really about speaking up for yourself, speaking up for your interests, what you, what you need. Um, and then also I think part of it has to be then checking in and what, what the other person needs too, but that can be a difficult conversation. Like if you notice distance between friends and you want to say something, it, it's, it's hard to then add, I think to advocate or to say, Hey, what do you need from me? I think we shy away from that. It's like non-confrontational. We don't want to deal with it. It's a difficult conversation. It's, it's really interesting kind of the back and forth. I think that that has to be there that so many of us, I think, shy away from. And you know, I love that you said that because this is why I, I, specialize with female friendship. And lately Mm -hmm. on TikTok, I see some comments that are like, you know, guys are like, why are you only talking about girls? You have tips for guys. (laughs) And it's just, it really is so different. Sure. Like 70% of the the skills and stuff I talk about are, can apply to whatever, but a lot of it is specific to female friendship because of our biology, because of how we're conditioned, because of all the other stuff culturally that affects how we want to show up. Um, You know, and when it comes to like having hard conversations, we are taught to be ladylike and to be likable and to not be a witch with a bee. And so if I come to you, am I going to embody those things? If I say, Hey, that made me comfortable. Are you going to perceive it as I'm being dramatic? I'm making Mm. a big deal. So a lot of us, we don't want to, we don't want to get into that. You know, there was a study that was, that was, um, observing a group of girls playing a game and a group of boys playing a game. And once their conflict emerged, the boys leaned into it. They had their fight. They kept mouthing off and they kept playing. Mm. The girls stopped playing. And it's just so interesting because it's like, we're still doing it. This is getting really hard and I don't want to make a fuss. I don't want to make a big deal. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull back. Uh, 
uh, the unfortunately uh, we don't understand that healthy conflict is something that actually brings us closer together because mm-hmm. there's understanding on the other side of that awkward conversation. It's an opportunity for me to say like, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know you're offended by that. Oh, okay, yeah, no, my bad. But now I understand like, oh, she gets weirded out by that, mm-hmm. or oh, this is why she is the way she is, or her preferences. But I don't even get to understand that if you won't tell me. I don't know. Right. Um, and so I always like to say, you know lead with vulnerability. I, the, the, um, the exercise I often give is to figure out why you're reluctant to have the conversation in the first place. Whatever that is should be your opening sentence. Mm. Hey, I didn't want to bring this up because like the last thing I want is for it to be weird or free to like not want to hang out anymore. Um, but I thought like, I'm going to bring it up to you because maybe it'll help us understand each other better. So, um, I just wanted to mention something and I, I, I just was wondering about what you said the other night. I felt weird when you said it. Um, and it got me upset, but then I thought maybe I'm totally taking it the wrong way. What did you mean by that? When you said that last week? It's a, I'm inviting her. I'm leaving space to be wrong. It's a chance for her to inform me. Um, but there is there is um, understanding and closeness and platonic intimacy on the other side of having tough conversations. Mm-hmm. I love what you said that, and I that you said that, and I think what's really interesting too about what you said, and it goes back to what you said earlier about we go through different life changes. Who we yeah. are changes. How we show up in the world changes. Our interests change, and eventually we're all at different life stages. Like I have some friends that are like on the brink of getting engaged. I have other friends that you know are trying to figure out their career. You know, we're all everywhere and in between. And sometimes it can feel like you don't have anything in common with some people anymore. And so leading with that level of vulnerability in the way that you just described, I can imagine that that's part of navigating a friendship when you're in different life stages and. Maybe Maybe you just don't feel like you have anything to talk about or you can't relate to them. You feel left out because I just know within my friend group, that's sometimes something that comes up is feeling like we are at different spaces, stages in life and either I'm projecting or you're projecting and it, it becomes uncomfortable, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I think that's natural. And, you know, um, I often talk about the show Insecure on HBO because I think they do such a great Mm -hmm. job of talking about like the nuance of confrontation. There's this one scene where they're in the grocery store together, uh, Molly and Issa, the kind of two main characters, I guess, and they acknowledge it. They say, we're off. Are we off? Yeah, Mm. we're off. I feel weird. We're going to talk about that later, right? Okay. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. And I just got goosebumps. I remember when I first saw that scene because I'm like, whole yes. Are we making it normal to say this feels tense, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels tense as opposed to keeping it up here in our heads, developing a whole narrative and then taking actions based on the story we told ourselves. And then a lot of us are wondering why a lot of our friendships faded because you had a whole conversation without the other person Mm -hmm. and decided to pull away, you know? And so I'm always arguing and saying that I think so many female friendships end prematurely because of that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, to your point about the life stages and feeling like, I feel like there's a distance. I think honestly offer some relief to say it because she might be like, I know I miss you too. Or like, yeah, I know. I feel like, I feel like it's kind of awkward too, but it's like, Oh, thank you. Okay. What are we going to do about this? And it Mm -hmm. becomes collaborative. Like, what are we going to do? Like, can we talk every week or something? Or if you're noticing that, you know, she suddenly has different interests, is it possible to demonstrate that you want to be involved? You know, if you want to, let's say you have a friend who had a baby and now suddenly she wants to talk about, you know, diaper cream, you're not interested at all, but I can try to, um, 
insert myself into the conversation to show I want to help by, you know, maybe screenshotting or uh, taking a picture of something at Target in the baby aisle and saying like, I don't know what the heck these are, but I feel like you mentioned it before. So I'm just sending it to you because they're on sale. But that's me saying, I'm trying to to still be interested. I can only do so much, Um, but I want you to know, I still want to be involved to the extent that I can. It's just little acts like that, as opposed to like, God, it's so different now. Yeah, it probably is. You guys are, you guys are growing. Things are happening. Mm -hmm. And so if you like to keep things going, you gotta, you gotta adapt. You gotta be flexible. You gotta try some new things, but if you decided the friendship's worth it, well, then there you go. Yeah. I love that because it really is about the effort that you put in and then also the effort I think that you receive. And so you sort of touched on this in the sense that you yourself can only do so much. The other person has to be willing to meet you, I think, at least halfway also. And so what do you tell people who are in that situation where they keep trying, they keep putting themselves out there, I think, in the way that you described, um, but let's say they're met with crickets or, you know, kind of like one-worded answers. At what point do you, I think, make a decision like, okay, maybe this needs to end because it's shifted so much. I can't do much more because you talked about this too at the beginning about, it's about navigating friendships, but then also knowing when to release them. Um, So what would, what do you say to people who are kind of in that, that situation? Yeah. If you find yourself uh, feeling like, gosh, am I in a one-sided friendship. I keep putting myself out there and they're not following up or they're canceling or they're, you know, not, not matching my efforts. Totally normal. Um, we actually have a podcast episode coming out about this soon on friend forward about when you feel like you're the one who's keeping it going, what do you do? Uh, mm-hmm. How are you supposed to interpret that? Um, and you know, it sucks because we all want to feel desired. We want to feel pursued. We want to feel interesting and likable and lovable. And when we're always on the side of invitation, it it makes us question those things about ourselves. Um, if you're finding that like, hey, I feel like this person's not matching my effort, I always like to suggest getting as much intel as you can because oftentimes we make our minds up about, okay, so I guess she's not as interested. Well, I don't want to annoy her and pull away. Mm-hmm. But I don't have any, I have no data to work with. So saying like, hey, um, I know I suggested we go for drinks last week, but um, do you prefer like morning hangouts? I know. I suggest like an evening one, bro. You like a morning person and do coffee, but it's, there could be a myriad of things. Am I um, asking them to do something that requires money all the time? And right now they're in a budget. Like those are the things we don't think about. Are they resistant to it? Because I'm always like, you know, suggesting lavish things. Uh, are they not trying to meet up right now? They're not comfortable. And so I haven't suggested anything virtual. Everything I suggest is meeting up and they're not comfortable with that. Um, what's the frequency of my outreach? Am I asking every other day? And then I'm like, wow, she's never around, but it's, for her, it's a lot, you know, so things like the frequency, the, 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 um, the suggestion we're making to hang out in the first place, is it compatible with their interests? Um, another one, I hate to say it, but I, I'm always a fan of like keeping it real. And I always say, if this doesn't work for what you got going on, then totally tune me out. But how pleasurable of an experience is it to be with you? Are you a chronic complainer? Are you always talking about all the things that are going wrong? And then simultaneously saying like, Hey, no one wants to hang out with me. It's worth questioning for some of us who are listening are like, no, that's not me. Okay, great. But for others of us, are we 
taking advantage of all our social gatherings to emotionally vent? And is that enjoyable for other people? I mean, it's just something just to kind of tick off on the list, like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, do I do that? So it's just something to consider. Um, I always like to say too, and I got the suggestion from a uh, fellow uh, friendship expert, Shasta Nelson. She always says, if you feel like you're initiating all the time, try your very best to focus on who's saying yes, as opposed to who prompted the hangout. Mm-hmm. So as long as I'm saying like, hey, do you want to get together? And they're like, heck yeah, what time? I have to find a way to be content with that as opposed to, well, I was the one who suggested it. Right. But are they eager to see you? Okay. We got to find a way to be content that these people are so excited to see Mm -hmm. us and spend time together. And that takes a lot, you know, that's some mental work, but if, after all those things, you, you do the work, you ask the questions to make sure like, Hey, am I suggesting things that you're comfortable with? Or if you do all that and they're still not interested, um, it's okay. If anything, be relieved that that's data to help you see like, okay, I'll get a better payoff if I pour my energy over here because it's, it's reciprocal. Um, and, and over here it's not, that's okay. She's not a bad person, but apparently for whatever reason, she's not interested right now. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I did a little TikTok a couple of weeks ago and, um, about how half of our friendships are reciprocal anyway. Mm-hmm. And I want to say this because there's somebody who like came for me on TikTok and my husband, I was like, oh my God, somebody's like giving negative comments. He's like, it's a sign that you've made it. You know, he's trying <laughs> to put a, a positive spin on it. And yes. so um, some people were like, really, where'd you get this from? But on TikTok, you know, you got like 15 seconds or whatever it is. Yeah. The full context of that is not reciprocal in terms of only half the people in your life like you and the others are, you know, have this sinister, their plan. No, but it means I might see you as a three and you see me as a nine or vice Mm. versa. Like where I prioritize you in my life probably doesn't match yours. So if you're constantly wanting to hang out with this person, they might like you and think you're a great person, but on the scale of where they can spend their time, which is a limited resource, they haven't prioritized you to a nine in their life. That's okay. Doesn't speak to your worthiness, nothing like that. But with what they've got going on and the other people that they have kind of on their totem pole, you're not at the top and that is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as long as we can kind of depersonalize some of that stuff, we'll find it a, as more of a, a pleasurable experience, friendship itself. Yeah. There is so much good stuff to unpack from what you just said. So I want to start with this about take the part where you were talking about, take a look at you. Are you complaining all the time? Are you fun to be around? You know, I don't know how often in the context of friendship, we actually look at our role in it. We look at who's texting us back, who's not reaching out, who's making plans, but we don't take, I don't think, and apologies if this is offensive to anybody and I'm generalizing, but we don't take enough stock at who we are and how we're showing up and how we could be a better friend to somebody else. So maybe the next time you talk to somebody, it's not so much about complaining about what's going on or what you're frustrated by. Maybe you, you know, bond over a TV show you really liked and you dive into it and you talk about how it relates to something else. I mean, there's just other things that you can talk about. So I loved this level of introspection and reflection that's really key to seeing your role and seeing how you show up. We don't talk yeah. enough about that. I, I I love that you said that because that's confirmation for me. I was like, I think I need to do like a video or a podcast. You do. I'm like, you do. are you a good friend? Because, you know, there was a there was a little trend going on TikTok where people talk about being the main character. Like you feel like you're the main <laughs> character in the scene, but we do that for friendship. And even the comments I see are very like, well, that's why I can't trust anybody. Or my that's why people, you just can't trust them. They, they disappoint you and- well, she didn't listen to me when I had to share about my thing and she was even there for me. And 
that's true. All that stuff is probably totally true. Mm-hmm. But we never, we rarely stop to look inward and say like, wait, was, did I make it fun for her? Did I dump on her? Um, is she not inviting me anymore because I've canceled four or five times? Mm-hmm. And so she's tired of being rejected herself. But I mean, I mean, it's like, are you a good friend? Would you want to be friends with you? And uh, I think once we do that, we'll have better experiences if we were like, man, I got to stop canceling on people. Like it's not cool. And mm-hmm. it's probably affecting like how much they enjoy me, how much they trust me. Yeah. I mean, if I'm not a reliable person, like, do you even want to keep being involved with me? And so I, I, I am like, I can't amen hard enough at what you said, because <laughs> I, I see it too. I see it too. Yeah. And I think we'll have better experiences if we're willing to say, okay, hold up now. Where am I, where am I contributing to this? I think it would just like open mm-hmm. up a whole new, um, level of experiencing good, positive, uh, reciprocal friendships. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, just this just reminded me of something someone said to me probably like five or six years ago that you can't expect one friend to be everything for you. They can't be your therapist, your shoulder to lean on, your best friend to go for coffee with, their your emotional, you know, whatever. Like they can't be everything for you. And I think we put a lot of pressure on our friends. We put a lot of pressure on our friendships to be there all the time, be everything for us. And I remember when that was said to me, I kind of took offense to it because I thought I'm not doing that. I'm not expecting somebody to be to show up more than they can or do more than they can. I was hundred <laughs> percent. I was when I looked back on it, like a couple of weeks after that conversation and I was, and so I've been trying, I think in the last six years to be super mindful of that, that, you know, every friendship is different. Every friend is going to play a different role in your life. And it's about, I think, knowing that and being okay with that and not putting so much pressure on our friends and our friendships. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but what you just said really reminded me of that. And, and hopefully it's worth noting or hearing for somebody. Yeah. I hate to keep being like on our podcast, but yeah, we did one on uh, the three (laughs) expectations you have of friendship that Mm -hmm. are disappointing you. And one of them was that your friends are your therapists. Now Mm -hmm. talking to my friends is super therapeutic and there's research that shows what happens to our, our brains and chemical releases. When women get together, we really literally do help release stress when we're together, literally chemically, but that's not their job. Mm-hmm. Your job can't be to help me overcome my trauma and to help me unpack these things that happen with my parents and to know to say the right thing and to be available right when I call. You need to be available, not just in your time, but like in your headspace. You're available to unpack this with me. That's not fair. And yeah. you can't do that for other people either, for being honest, you know? And so I feel like, you know, while that might seem disappointing, and also it's kind of countercultural. I mean, come on, think about all the cutesy female friendship stuff we see about like, this is my ride or die. She just gets me. I can just like look at my friend and she knows everything I'm saying. So a lot of the stuff in the culture we're consuming is about how things are so unspoken and Mm -hmm. chemistry between, and my friend just gets me. And so when my friend doesn't get me and I'm like, but you're my, but you're my friend, you know, we've got to reconcile expectations with reality and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's something to definitely, to definitely think through, um, the expectations we have of our friends. Um, recently I had a conversation with a a psychologist, Dr. Christina Duyon, and she said something about, we were talking about singular versus collective love. And I just had like Mm -hmm. an epiphany just very recently and thinking, God, I could probably experience more fullness if I acknowledge that 
my love that I receive is going to come from the collective community, my husband and my friend and my son and all these friends that I have, when you put them together, I've got everything I need as opposed to like, but you're my best friend. So you should know Mm -hmm. what to say and you should have been there for me yesterday. And I, I just can't wrap my mind around how this person's failing me and she's deficient in these ways. But when I pair her strengths and interests and how she shows up with my friend who's just fun to shop with, but we can't really have deep conversations and she doesn't really have the best emotional intelligence, but man, she's funny. Mm-hmm. When I lay it all out, do I get what I need? Um, and I just think, I just wonder what that would do for us if we were able to kind of take an aerial view a little bit and look at friendship as a collective, as opposed to a singular uh, role. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I love what you said about singular versus collective. And I have to imagine that's going to be really helpful to take that sense of pressure off of your friendships, off of your relationships from them being everything and anything all at the same time. You know, I wanted to ask you too, we've talked a lot about when it's time to let go of a friendship, um, you know, having difficult conversations, but what if you've just met somebody mm-hmm. and you really like them? Like you think they're super cool. How do you begin to deepen those friendships? I think, you know, we're still very much in the pandemic. Everything is virtual. You and I are talking right now on Zoom. Um, for some people, it, it's natural. It's easy, you know, to make a connection with somebody. But what if somebody is listening and they struggle with that connection or struggle with deepening a connection with an acquaintance that they want to be a better friend? Um, what do you usually tell people? So a couple things. One is if you are having an initial conversation with somebody and it's going really well and you guys are like laughing and you're saying something to kind of like gauge her humor and she taps you and it's just like, okay, this is awesome. My first suggestion is to end the conversation by saying, I like you because that <laughs> does something for one who doesn't like to hear that. Right. Two, you could be wondering the same thing of like, she's kind of cool, but it almost like lets the air out of the tension of two people wondering like, she seems cool, but I don't want to be weird. I don't want to look clingy. I don't want to make her feel uncomfortable. I don't want to impose. I don't want to look desperate. And the older we get, we, you know, we have these life experiences. We felt rejection before. It's painful. We don't want to do that again. But sometimes it's a relief to just get up the nerve to say in a playful way, like, okay, I like you. It's just almost an invitation to keep it going because I've said, man, I'm interested. So that's the first one. The second thing is if you have an associate and you guys are kind of like, oh yeah, you just see them in the elevator at work or whatever it is. It's all about keeping momentum. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I always say, and maybe I need to get a better you know, analogy, because it's a little triggering, but you know, with the concept, you know, anorexia and and that whole struggle, well, you'll, you'll eat a carrot, people who, you know, suffer with this, eat a carrot and think, okay, that'll last me two days. But we do that with friendship. We have a text combo and we're like, okay, we, we texted. Mm -hmm. We're good. I'll probably talk to her in two more weeks. And it's just like, how do you expect to experience depth in the friendship, but you're spending no time? The two don't go together. Recently, I was coaching a woman who's a vice president at some big company. And as we got to talking, she's talking about how like she, yeah, I know women, you know, I've got, you know, a lot of, a big network, but it's just, I don't know. It's so superficial. Like I just want something deep with someone. And I was like, right. Um, So how often do you talk? to the woman. Well, I mean, I don't, you know, with work, I don't have time. Mm -hmm. And I just waited and she kind of made the connection of like, okay, I hear you. And so if you want depth, it goes together with time. I know it looks a little differently how we're spending our time, but time talking, getting to know you, getting to know your likes, dislikes, whatever, 
takes time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you want depth, you got to say, I want depth. I like you. You've got to spend time. It's, it's, it's not sexy to put things on the calendar, but once you get older, that's the only way some of us are going to be intentional is like, Oh, I saw it on the calendar for tonight at six. So I guess I'm doing it. Um, so spending time and then also, you know, creating space for vulnerability. And I talk a lot about how that goes beyond just crying and telling your secrets, but creating space for vulnerability. So that means like taking risk in front of each other. That can look like uh, me offering an idea of something we can do together. And we've never done this together before. And I don't know if she's going to think it's dumb or not, but I'm just going to put it out there. That's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you want to try this thing together? Or, Hey, you know, let's go take this class. I don't know. I hear people talking about it. it's fun. Do you want to just try it? But even shared experiences, bond us. You know, that's why people who made friends in the, you know, fifth grade feel like they've got to still be friends because they've been through so much together. Um, but it creates shared experiences. So I think kind of a combination of some of those things starts to, um, breed familiarity and depth, and maybe we'll experience a little more of the platonic intimacy that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. I love what you said, that vulnerability goes beyond what we traditionally think is being vulnerable. It can be as simple as offering up a new idea of something to do together, because that's a bit of a risk. You don't know how they're going to respond or what they're going to think about it. And I love too what you said about depth. If you want depth, you've got to go deep yourself. You can't expect someone to go there with you if you're not willing to go there with them. And I think that's a huge, huge point. And I'm so glad that you brought it up because I think it applies to everything. If you want, you know, to spend time with a friend, you sometimes need to be the one to reach out. You need to share more about you if you want them to share more about themselves. It's this reciprocal uh, level of intimacy that I think we are not taught about. Like we don't know these things naturally. We sometimes need to have these conversations or read the books or listen to the podcasts uh, to even like get that level of education for ourselves. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. It's really fascinating. All right. So I got to ask you, I know you've been doing this for a long time. Are there, is there anything about friendship that you really want people to know that they don't know or um, that they should know? Um, things that, yeah, anything that we should know about friendships, about female friendships? Yes. Um, that healthy conflict is good. Mm-hmm. That ghost center when it gets awkward. And then wondering why you don't have any depth because you abandon people as soon as they get awkward or weird or whatever. Um, If you want something, say it. You want to see her more? Tell her. You miss that old friend? Tell her. Uh, You know, and, and at the risk of oversimplifying things, if I had to extract themes from the comments, from the session from the the DMs, if I had to extract themes, Mm -hmm. that's the theme of all the advice I give. If you want it, say it. Yes, it's it's hard. Don't run. Don't run. Have a conversation. Let's normalize conflict in female friendships, regardless of how it's represented in the media as like super cushy, like cushy and easy and chemistry. And she just gets me. I think those are, I think that's beautiful when you have those moments of like, you know, the unspoken you look across the room, you're just like, girl, like that's I love it. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> but I can't expect a 10-year friendship on. I don't have to say my feelings or boundaries or anything. You already know. It's not fair. It's not realistic. Um, friendship takes work. It takes time. Um, and uh, the, I guess those would be kind of like the the main themes. You want something, say so. You want out, you do it gracefully. I think it's a matter of dignity. If you don't want something anymore, you say so. And to me, that's just a part of, of being an adult woman. Mm-hmm. as awkward as it might be, she might say, oh, well, okay. Wow. Who do you think you are? Or whatever. 
but at least she's got to respect that I told her instead of, or I'm going to not respond to her text, which is so rude, or I'm going to lie and say that I've got something else, but I don't have anything else, but I don't know how to tell her like, Hey, listen, I've got so much going on right now. And I'm trying to be really selective of how I spend my time. And I think I only have so much to give, especially with the pandemic. And so I don't think that I can um, like match your energy. And I don't think I'm going to be available to kind of hang out together. And I just feel like I should tell you because I don't, I want to make sure our expectations are on the same page. She might feel awkward. I might feel guilty, but everybody's clear. And now these adult women can go and make the decisions that are right for them with the information they have. So it's all about being honest, being courageous, being vulnerable, um, and keeping yourself open to opportunities. It's never too late for friendship. I hear women say, you know, it's too late for me, or they have their friend group, or I already had my friends and I lost them. There's connection and opportunity. So you just have to train your eyes to look for them. Um, and then have the courage to pursue what your heart desires. I think if we kind of get those basic truths, everything else starts to just kind of like mm-hmm. suddenly make sense. Mm-hmm. The courage to communicate is huge. The courage mm-hmm. to voice where you're at is huge. So I, I've often been on the receiving end of, you know, reaching out to someone to set up time to talk or hang out or virtually hang out and it goes ignored. And, you know, I always think, God, just have the courage to communicate with me. Just tell me, hey, Sid, I'm really busy right now. I'm so sorry. Or, you know, right now doesn't work for me. Or, hey, I just don't want to be your friend. Just tell me, you know what I mean? Because I imagine there are so many other people who are on the receiving end of silence. And when you have a friendship and you've invested in a friend, God, it hurts. It really, really hurts. We don't talk a lot about friend breakups. Like they hurt more than any other relationship because it's a different level of intimacy and a different level of investment with somebody. So I'm glad that you talked about that too, of just voice where you're at. We're adults. We're all adults here. Let's Mm -hmm. act like it and just share, you know, where we're at. And I think there comes a lot of healing and a lot of power in just voicing your truth and voicing where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I got to ask you two last things and then we're going to go first, you know, when you have good friendships in your life and it's um, meaningful for you and for them, I imagine it brings about more joy. So I've got to ask you what, what role has joy played in your friendship journey? I think both uh, with your friends, uh, but then also through your coaching. Yeah. Um, Friendship is, it's, it's such a unique space for me personally. My friends are just, they literally, I saw some kind of corny quote and I'm going to get it wrong, but it was something about how (laughs) our friendships, like they double our pleasure and they half our, our pain, you know? And and it's just so nice to have companionship, um, from another woman in this world. Mm -hmm. Um, and as a coach, I, I feel so honored to operate in that space because I always say like, there really aren't other spaces where you can talk about the nuance of your friendship. If you think about it, like talking to your parents, they feel a little removed from the situation. You know, sometimes your romantic partner might just be like, well, stop hanging out with her then. And you're like, okay, it's more complicated than that. Always you, more know, complicated. you know, and he's just like <laughs> trying to help, but it's just like that. That's not helpful at all. Um, there, it's kind of tricky sometimes talking about our friends to our friends. Because if I'm talking about a mutual friend, do I look like I'm gossiping? Or right. if I'm talking about the friendship thing with the friend, like that was the whole point. So where am I supposed to unpack all this stuff in a safe space? And I'm noticing that's where uh, coaching is really serving women because there's nowhere else to really get what they need on this conversation. Um, and so it's an honor to to be talking to women who 
who want to say things, but are worried that it's going to offend their partner. If they talk about how devastated they are over a friendship, but the romantic, the romantic partner is like, well, hello, I'm here. And you have to explain, right. Mm-hmm. But I need this too, you know? Um, so it's been joyful to, to see women even say simple things like, oh my gosh, I listened to that podcast and I did that thing you said. And, and it turns out she's not mad at me at all. I asked her about it. And that just like, I do, I get goosebumps. And um, so it's really cool to be in mm-hmm. this space. Um, and, and as far as my personal experience, I just recently started sharing this because I, I like to be transparent as I grow. Um I used to lead with like my credentials, how long I've been doing this. And I've been reading all the books and I got certified to coach and mm-hmm. we have, I've received all this press and BC news psychology today. And I used to lead with that for the reason why women should come along for the ride or listen to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Recently, I realized maybe a couple months ago, I'm not being vulnerable because the reason why I think I've become effective and have some insights that are helpful because I've been a really crappy friend. That's how I know. It's Mm -hmm. not the trainings. It's not the books I'm reading. It's because I have ghosted women, you know, in the past because I didn't know how to tell her. I have been exclusive with my friend group and didn't want the new girl to come in. But now I understand it's because I was threatened that these friends might like her more than me. And it made me feel better about myself to feel like I was in an exclusive group. I have broken girl code two or three times. That is why I love what I do so much because it's almost like a a ghost of Christmas future being like, no, you need to get it right because I can tell you what it's going to look like. That is why I'm so passionate. And I just recently opened up about that. That's Mm -hmm. why I've broken girl code. I've talked behind a friend's back. I've ghosted. I've been too sensitive when a friend brought something to me and was super defensive, you know? So all those experiences, I think, help me to sympathize with what's going on because I can recall my failures very vividly. Um, So all of that, I think, makes this a very special space uh, for me to be in and uh, uh, an honor to do what I do. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. I I think that's going to be really powerful for so many because we've all done it. We've all done less than wonderful things in our friendships. We've gossiped, we've, you know, stepped in it. We've, you know, and then you feel bad and you want to move forward and correct it. And I think it's a continuous education and you learn through experience. Wisdom comes from the experience of actually putting yourself out there, being vulnerable, taking risk facing rejection. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think we, we, we can only teach what we know um, and knowing comes from that experience. All right. Last thing I got to ask you before we go, and this is the question that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast. Um, and it is, what is your biggest dream? Mm. Oh, um, <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> it is such a big one. Cause you make people name it too. And a lot of people are fearful to name because mm-hmm. what if it's that whole thing. I know. Um, you know, I I'll say I'm looking for the platform to grow. I have some ideas. Um, but now that people are paying attention and that to me, to the subject of female yeah. friendship, yeah. um, I have some plans. I would like to see it grow and become some things that um help to normalize talking about female friendship. So I, I just, I'll just say, I'd like to see the platform grow um, and for it to be more normal for us to say the thoughts 
that we only thought we were thinking mm-hmm. and to see like, oh, wait, there's a whole space to unpack this one little nuanced thing. Yes. Um, so my dream is to kind of see it grow and to see some other things emerge uh, from the brand that really serve as a resource for women down the line. Amazing. Well, it's going to happen. I think it's totally going to happen because I think now, especially in the midst of the pandemic and COVID, we're not only reevaluating our friendships, we're wanting to grow them. We are relying on them in a very different way. So it's going to happen. I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. This was so much fun. We have not talked about this in almost four years of the show. We have not talked about female friendship. So I can't thank you enough. And I can't wait to hear the response to this one. Danielle, where, where can everybody find you? Connect, learn more, sit in your beautiful wisdom. Where, where can they find you? Yeah. So all of our stuff, the, the brand that I lead, it's called Friend Forward, like moving forward, doing better, friend forward. Mm-hmm. And our website is betterfemalefriendships.com. And so um, we have a group coaching membership. It's actually within an app and we have virtual events and all the things. Um, and then we also have, you know, the blogs and the podcast. So the podcast is called Friend Forward and the website is called betterfemalefriendships.com and women can get connected with me in either space. Perfect. Everything is going to go in the show notes. It'll be so easy to find you connect and everyone has to listen to your podcast because it's, it's even greater wisdom than what you shared in this episode. So thank you, Danielle. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me, Sydney. I appreciate you. 